Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a few seconds while we make sure all of our streaming channels are online with us. We got to get five gorgeous green check marks. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. And we've been exercising a lot of demons the last few days. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I thought it was interesting today. Of course, I want to talk a lot about, on today's episode, the closing of the ranks that have, has occurred at Broncos HQ around Drew Locke, which I think is key. But one thing I wanted to talk to you about first and get your take on was something Drew Locke said during his um, media availability on Wednesday. And the thing he brought up when asked about Jerry Judy, it was really interesting because we've kind of been pounding the table the last two weeks. And really since Drew Locke re-entered the lineup as the, as the starter in week six, Jerry Judy has disappeared basically from the game plan. We've been pounding the table. And he talked about today that he's looking good. He had a really good practice. And in fact, Zach, one thing that was interesting is in the huddle today, things were maybe a little looser than than Jerry Judy would have liked. And he jumped on the huddle, right? He, he's, he tightened it up. He's like, come on, guys, tighten it up. Let's go, which you don't often hear. In fact, here's the direct quote. He said, Uh, I've seen a big flip of a switch from Judy talking in the huddle, being vocal. He told the huddle to tighten up today, which was, as a wide receiver and a rookie, not necessarily his responsibility, Zach, to make the huddle, uh, make sure the huddle is tight. It's definitely mine in the O-line. But he went in there and got vocal. I thought it was awesome. Close quote. Is that a rookie overstepping his bounds, Zach, or is that just – what's your take on it? Nah, you know, the Broncos coming off a a pretty – deflating loss, I shall say, where the offense was MIA. You want any sort of spark right now. I'm not going to beat this dead horse too much, but you, you would think the fire in the huddle, get them together, tighten them up. Where is the coaching? Once again, either Fangio or Pat Shermer, why aren't they stepping in? If there's a problem in the huddle, if there's a lack of fire, a lack of passion, a lack of want to, it stems from the coaching. They take the complexity of their coaches. 
Uh, failing that, Jerry Judy speaking up, I don't have a problem, though I think a lot of his other teammates will kind of tune him out because they're going to say, listen, who are you to tell me anything? You haven't, you've, you've been dropping passes, you've been kind of nondescript, who are you to tell me anything? I, I do like the fire, but he has to be careful that it doesn't come off hollow, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It's definitely a fine line, but if he goes out there on Sunday and and catches two touchdowns, those words will become sincere, those words will have meaning. If he goes out there and drops three passes, what what is it going to say to his teammates? Like you're telling me to do my job when you can't you can't even do yours either. You know I got to say I like it because one thing that jumped out to me on Sunday in that brutal loss against the Chiefs was where's the leadership? Where are the leaders on this team? And who are the leaders on this team? And it was palpable. You know it feels like and obviously the onus for that is on Drew Locke on the offensive side. But you know when Philip Lindsay went down with the with the concussion. There really was kind of a lack of, of fire, a lack of leadership. And I like seeing Jerry Judy kind of get a little fired up. Now, I'm with you that it's one thing to kind of assert yourself in a huddle like that. And as Drew said, I want to read something else he said here, that, that you know, it's not something you typically hear, and it's not his responsibility to tighten the huddle. That's on Drew. That's on the O-line. But he liked it. I dig that so long as he comes to play. And, Zach, the right. worst thing about Jerry Judy up to this point is, you brought up the one drop in uh, New England that was a touchdown and not an easy catch to make, but a catch that if you're a first-round pick and a highly paid pro athlete and an NFL wide receiver, that's a play you should make. The drops that Judy has had this year, without exception, have all been key drops, meaning that they either come on third down or in the red zone. And that's what's been the worst thing is, you know, players play, uh, ballers ball. And when the chips have been down, Jerry Judy hasn't really risen to the occasion but I like that he's pushing himself because maybe, Zach, the, the, the phenomenon could take place where by asserting himself and, and trying to take a little more ownership and whatnot, that it actually elevates his game a little bit in week eight. Yeah, fake it till you make it. And I w- really wasn't referencing one Judy dropper in particular. It's, a, it's an ongoing theme this season where the mental grasp of the NFL is a little underdeveloped for Jerry Judy at this point, more so than we thought it would be. Um, uh, someone compared to Deshaun Hamilton, though, I wonder how he receives that, or Tim Patrick, how he receives that. Veteran players who have more skin in the game uh, than Jerry Judy, even Noah Fant, who's admitting that, listen, I understand why the defense has mattered us. I understand the offense hasn't come to play. You would you want that spark. I understand both sides here. You want that spark from some player. Usually, though, it's on a rookie who's struggling himself, though. Usually it's the quarterback or the coach or someone in that huddle, Dalton Reisner. I mean, someone in that huddle who needs to be the mouthpiece of the offense. And if it's not Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton's not there. They have a problem if Jerry Judy is the only guy bringing that fire. Yeah, it needs to be Drew Locke. Here's here's something else yeah. Locke said, <clears throat> elaborating on the Jerry Judy thing. And the whole topic got opened up by Locke being asked, about the miscommunication with Jerry Judy on that one deep shot that he was nowhere close to. There was obviously something going on there. And he was talking about that. And then it just occurred to him, this story, you know, this anecdote about tightening up the huddle, which he said again, quote, I thought that was awesome. We talked about it after the game. So dating it back to Sunday that I look back on my last games as a rookie. And I hated the fact that I wasn't as vocal as I could have been and used the rookie card to let the vets talk as an excuse. I told him, talking about Judy, I don't want you to feel that, especially right now as we're kind of in a hole. Guys will look to you. Guys will look to me, regardless of how old we uh, we are. And we have to keep that vocal point going, close quote. 
and that's my main two takeaways out of this, Zach. The reason I wanted to talk about it tonight is, you know, it's, I like seeing Jerry Judy kind of taking a little ownership here on the leadership side, but more than anything, someone has to step up. All right. And, and look, a lot of their veteran studs, right? The guys that you would traditionally look to in that locker room, the Von Millers, multiple Pro Bowls, the Jarrell Casey's, multiple Pro Bowls. You mentioned Cortland Sutton, Pro Bowler. They're done for the year. They're not there. So these young guys have to step up, but now convert it to the field. How about the $8 million a year running back, though? I mean, he, <laughs> he's been around the NFL long enough. He is a, one of the most senior most players on this offense. Where is he? He came out today and for the first time addresses DUI, and he basically said, I'm only saying this so it doesn't seem like I'm not I'm ignoring it. I mean, Melvin Gordon's leadership or that lack thereof constantly shows out on the field, in the locker room. You want to have him step up here. If Philip Lindsay can do it, and being so young, Melvin Gordon can do it as well. It's it's for someone coming, you know, defending Drew Locke, it's a little nerve-wracking that he's not taking hold of that mantle, that he's not stepping in there and pissing some teammates off. He can't be everyone's friend. And I hope he learned that from John Elway and Peyton Manning. You're never going to win everyone over in any facet of life. If you have uh, 10 other people in that huddle, not every single person is going to love you. you got to have to be that that a-hole, that D-bag, mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers type that we thought we were getting in him. So as much as I like Locke, I agree here with you, Chad. He needs to be the one far and away as the quarterback to set the tone day in and day out. We need to see more on that side of things from Locke. It's you know, it's good to hear about the swagger. It's good to hear about the confidence and the enthusiasm and all that. <clears throat> but at the same time, it has to matriculate to the leadership side. And it just hasn't really seemed to be there the last couple of weeks. But, guys, we have so much more to get to tonight. <clears throat> a lot of different comments, a lot of different storylines coming out of Dove Valley over the last couple of days surrounding this offense, surrounding this beleaguered quarterback, and really how his teammates have responded to the whole that they find themselves in with regard to Drew Locke. We're going to get to all that and your super chats and your questions and your comments here in just a second. But first, got to get to a few matters of business. Yeah, guys, tonight's live stream podcast is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, listen up. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, and here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds. You get reduced juice and the best prices. Also, hassle-free bonuses. Only a one-time rollover, guys. One-time rollover. That means the bonus money is yours after you bet it one time, whereas other sites range from 5 to 30 times. Also, 24-7 live customer support. You are always getting a real person in the U.S., never a robot, a real live human being. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Guys, a couple other quick things here, and then we'll jump right back into the topics for tonight. Make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. While you're at it, follow the main account, <clears throat> excuse me, at Mile High Huddle. If you have those two accounts followed, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to podcast programming, giveaways, announcements, or breaking Broncos news and analysis. Also, gang, gentle reminder to head on over to HuddleUpPod.com to the merch store. 
and get your swag on. Get yourself an MHH trucker hat. Get a football priest T-shirt or hat. Get a face mask, hoodie, mug, T-shirts. We got a little bit of everything for everybody. And it's another way that you can support what we're doing here at MHH. And if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store, all of you can do these three things, whether you're with us live in the stream or listening after the fact. You hear us harp on it, episode in, episode uh, episode out for a reason. These are simple, organic things that the supporters of, of MHH and the Huddle Up podcast can do to help keep us healthy, to help not only keep us healthy, help us keep growing. Subscribe first and foremost, like this video, crucial, and share it out there. That's the litmus test that Zach and I really measure how well we're doing. If you think Zach and I are doing a good job for you here, share this out. You know, help us continue to grow, and we are growing exponentially across all of our platforms and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. And then one last thing, we got to give a shout-out to our Facebook supporters, and those ranks continue to swell. Shout-out to all the new supporters that have come on over the last few days. We really appreciate you. If you're on Facebook and you're one of our Facebook community members, you'd like to become an official supporter, just go to the Facebook page, MHH's Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash mile high huddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that you're in. We have some really fun and exciting plans for our Facebook supporters coming down the pike in the very, very near future. But it's just another way you can support us and a mile high salute to those who already have. We really do appreciate you guys. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Listen up, Broncos country. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, their brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world that has a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make an impact and make a difference and do good in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, simply by cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, You're volunteering. Our waterways, guys, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. And through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers. Wrap your brain around that. And the communities that depend on them, it's so important. The results, 1 billion, that's with a B gang, Gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. And here's what's great about Coors Hard Seltzer. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, 
and only 90 calories. Chad, I got to say, for last Sunday's slate of NFL games, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and Mango. Loved it. This week, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and Black Cherry. Loved it even more. So, guys, whether you want to support the cause or like the flavors, you won't be disappointed with a Coors Hard Seltzer. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. Visit CoorSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach. Whoa, Levi Hope jumping in off the top rope with a very generous super chat. Thank you, Levi. Good to see you, my friend. He's rocking as, you know, his, his YouTube pick, the uh, Zachary Smouse. Let him hate T-shirt. And that's apropos right now because, you know, hey, when has it ever been more appropriate when it comes to the, the topic of Drew Locke to say hashtag let him hate? Appreciate you, Levi. He says, hey, fellas, hope everyone is doing well. Really appreciate that, my friend. Thank you, Levi. A um, couple other things here real quick as well. We got Steve Baumgartner jumping in with a generous super. And he got in early, Zach. You know, he dropped this super an hour and a half before we even – uh, went live. So thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. I, yeah. I did see for what it's worth your last DM. I just haven't had a chance to reply to you yet. Appreciate your support as always, my friend. He says, Drew Locke is my quarterback. Go Broncos, Denver Broncos for life. And of course, being the loyal Nebraska fan that he is, go Big Red, hashtag state of being, hashtag let him hate. Appreciate that, Steve. Really do. A couple other things I want to touch on. I know there's quite a quite a few um you know, and thanks and welcome to all of you guys who are with us here tonight. The guys and gals of Broncos country, the MHH community showing out in force. We appreciate each and every one of you being here with us this evening. Zach, a few other things I wanted to touch on from the topics coming out of, of Dove Valley over the last couple of days. Firstly, though, I want to dial it back to Tuesday's media availability and some of the things that Bradley Chubb had to say about this young offense. We're still young. We've still got guys that are learning how to be pros and get into the flow of things. We've got so much talent. But like I said, it's just guys learning how to be pros and how all this stuff really works. Everyone on this team is locked in and ready, eyes focused, ears open, ready to follow whoever is ready to lead. Interesting. Let's put a pin in that. That's why I feel like I had to step up. We've got guys like Drew Locke. Drew Locke is one of the greatest kids you'll ever meet. He goes out there with passion and I know he's going to change it around. I know that those guys on the offensive line are going to continue to block their A's off. I know that the receivers are going to catch those balls that are sometimes 50-50 balls. I know all of that is going to change. I know it for a fact, and I 100% believe it. Now it's just time for us to go out and show it. I know those guys are just as upset as we are because we want to win just as they want to win just as much as I do. So I know 100% that this whole team is going to change this around, and I just want to be that kickstart to get it changed around. Close quote. Zach, your reaction? First of all, we had some audio issues there. You sounded like you were on auto-tune, Chad. I'm going to start calling you C-Pain from now on. I thought really? it was me. So, yeah, it was like a little uh, robotic there. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, it's all good now. It uh, evened out. But in terms of that quote, 
it's a lot what I would expect right now from a team in this position coming off a really uh, tough loss to a division rival. Um, I do like what's emanating from the locker room. Even after they went back and forth, the offense versus the defense, there's no split yet. There's no mutiny yet. There's no checking out yet. And I feel like at least Vic Fangio has a, has the team at least believing they can win more games. They can compete this season. No one is giving up. No one is is latching on to that Drew Locke performance as his, no doubt about it, his resume definer. He's going to be better than what he showed. The Broncos will win more games this year. And it seems like just on that one quote that you had, that one sentence, the Lions and a block their A's off, the quarterbacks, everyone still believes in each other. This team is not as bad as... Uh, people would believe they are, and coming from inside Dove Valley, you can sense there's still a lot of confidence in their own abilities. Bronx legend jumping in, longtime listener of the show, bonafide superstars. Good to see you, Angel. And I know you can't make it to as as many live streams as as you have in times past, but we sure love it when you do make it in. And thank you for the support, yes. my friend. Thank you. He says, "Rocking with Drew Lock, he will bounce back." Hashtag state of being really means a lot, my friend. And Zach. You know, one message I want to impart to everybody is, look, everyone's acting like five quarters of play, because I'll dial it back to the fourth quarter in, in New England, that, five, be, that due to five quarters of play, <clears throat> the book is written on Drew Locke. It's over. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. The season is completely wrecked. Broncos have no future at quarterback right now. It's over. And I don't understand why a fan base that has been as long-suffering and future-oriented as Broncos country has been, and it's not everybody, so I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, though, has been so so short-sighted. I just don't understand it because you got to have some perspective. And as bad as, as that performance was against the Chiefs, there's still a lot of, of football left to be played. And, I mean, most quarterbacks, in fact, all quarterbacks, at some point they have these type of meltdown games, Zach, that are kind of reset moments, right, where they – they go, wow, you know, it's, it's like it's sometimes, I mean, this is simplifying it a little bit, but it's like a baby learning to walk when they, you know, they learn it, that if they fall down, they're going to bonk their head. They push their boundaries. And when they do fall, they learn lessons from that and and it informs them down the road. And it's a similar thing where, you know, Drew Locke's trying to stretch his boundaries a little bit as a young quarterback yeah. last week and only his ninth start. He bumped his head a few times. There's a learn, there's a lesson to be learned there. And I think just keeping the focus on Drew you know, accepting, uh, putting Pat Shermer to the side for a minute, putting the receivers to the side in the offensive line, just on Drew himself. I think that that was a good reminder reset moment that, hey, man, look, it's great to have the full support of the organization. It was great to have the full support and and admiration of the fan base and my locker room, too. But now, but I've got to that that wasn't acceptable. You know, I got to turn the ship around. I got to learn the lessons that, that are there to be learned. and you know, basically start over. It's a gut check moment for both Drew Locke and now I'll include Pat Shermer because Pat Shermer has done him no favors. You know, I I can think of different analogies or different sayings for the Broncos, the sect of Broncos country that's just not satisfied with letting a young quarterback grow after years of wanting a young quarterback. I'm reminded by one of my favorite sayings of my favorite show of all time. That sect of Broncos country is like the old woman with a Virginia ham underneath her arm crying the blues because she has no bread. You have to be happy with what you have right now. He's a still-developing young quarterback with less than 10 starts under his belt. He is going to have those games. I don't know about you guys out there knocking Locke. Were you not expecting to see those 
awful blow-up type games from Locke in a negative way. I know I was, and I predicted a playoff season and you know close to 4,000 yards for him. This is the type of quarterback that he is. It was a tough environment, not making excuses, a tough situation, but just give him at least one more game to let him make up for those faults. Let him come out against the Chargers and prove that, A, he is the Broncos' man for the job, and, B, he, no Broncos fan should want Justin Herbert because they should be happy with the quarterback they have right now, right this second. Tom El Greco jumping in. Bonafide superstar now, north of the 49th parallel up there in Canada. Really appreciate you, my friend. He says, sorry I predicted KC to blow out our Broncos, but they'll win this week. Thanks, guys. All right, Nostra Tom jumping in with the with the crystal ball <laughs> prediction here. Thank you, my friend. And for what it's worth, I I, I picked the Broncos as well. I was riding the wave. Uh, Gary jumping in. Appreciate you with the comment being with us tonight. He says, yeah, we got this. I predicted a win this week as well. Zach, we're not quite there yet in terms of laying out our predictions for, for Sunday. We'll get to that maybe in tomorrow's podcast. Um, the, of course, the, the Mile High Roundtable will come out on Friday, but – we're kind of still marinating on that. You might have already formed your opinion on it. I know I haven't quite yet, but let's put a pin in that topic just for a second. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Based case with the <laughs> with the profile pick that just makes you feel like you're on meth or something. Um, appreciate you, Doc. He yeah. says the Skang's offense was QB friendly because it offered up so many half field reads with less in the pocket demands than Shermer. We've got to dumb it down. You know what's ironic, and that's a that's a good point, Based Case. Thank you for the super as well, my friend. It's a fair point, Zach, to make that. You know, one of the things that we heard a lot when the Broncos opted to fire Skangs and hire Pat Shermer. Talking to people around the league, listening to what other quarterbacks who played for Pat had to say, was that his scheme, if you boil it down, it was very quarterback friendly. I do think that in, in many ways his scheme is quarterback friendly if a quarterback is at a certain point in his development. And I just don't think Drew Locke and Pat Shermer have had enough time together. I think, I think Shermer – and this isn't a knock on lock. This is just acknowledging his relative youth and inexperience in the NFL, Zach. I think Shermer put a lot more um, faith, so to speak, trust, expectations that Locke was a little bit further down the developmental learning curve than he actually was. I could see And that. taking some cues here from the Skangs playbook in terms of paring it down, more two tight end sets, half-filled reads, you know, running some slants, running some outs, running some uh, underneath some drags, like – Utilize all the different levels of the field. It's not just going for broke every time. But nevertheless, it's ironic that he was viewed as and talked about as a, having a very quarterback-friendly offense. It sure hasn't been friendly to Drew up to this point. 
It hasn't. And you know, it's funny. I'm not saying I started a movement, but no one was mentioning Scangarello's name before the last couple of weeks. Everyone was still on the Shermer bandwagon. And now you're seeing the play calls and the way he's being mishandled, I think, Drew Locke. And Chad, I, I know you're more of a Shermer fan than I am. And I agree with you that he needs at least more time on task with Drew Locke. They have to have more than a few games together. It takes years and years to build chemistry and connection. But again, this is my, this is my card I keep pulling. What explains or justifies a flea flicker in the snow? What explains or justifies a fourth and one shovel? What explains or justifies throwing on third and fourth and short? That's Pat Shermer's play calling. It's the situational play calling. So again, you might think he's a, the best man for the job, better than Scangarello because of his, his resume. And you might be right. He might be a quarterback guru, but what have we seen to this point that would show that? What proof do we have that Shermer made an improvement on Locke that Scangarello didn't already accomplish. I just feel like Shermer, any credit he's getting was the foundation that Rich laid behind, and Rich got the blame for it, and no, and no credit whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's hard to blame. And by the way, Clip Stormborn, as I mentioned to you today on Facebook, my I've been thinking about you with what's going on in your fair city of, of Philadelphia and some of the unrest going on there. So good to hear from you. Thanks for being in the stream. Appreciate the support. He says... Happy hump day, priests. Peace and love from Philly. A lot going down in the city of brotherly yes. love over the last few days. So uh, stay safe, my friend. Um, you know, the irony with – with I shouldn't say irony. The, the thing I, I think fans need to keep in mind as you start going, you know, grass is greener, woulda, shoulda, coulda with regard to the coordinator change is that nobody on God's green earth could have predicted the pandemic, right, and the way that affected things. We don't know how much that cost Drew Locke and Pat Shermer with regard to getting on the same page. I think it had an effect. And, you know, we can point to, for example, you know, say Justin Herbert. Look how good he's played the last few weeks. And obviously he had the same scheme limitations. He's he's a rookie. This is all new to him as well. He seems to be hitting the ground running. And there's absolute truth to that. But my point is to the idea of moving on from Skanks to Shermer and saying, oh, look, you're upsetting the apple cart for Drew Locke. You're not giving him coaching and systematic continuity. The Broncos thought they were going to have a regular traditional offseason. They couldn't have predicted what was going to unfold. And then I'm going to serve this over to you. Bison jumping in. Thanks, my friend. He says, good evening, fellas. Excited to watch Locke rebound. But what what's your take to, you know, is it revisionist history? Chad, you know, I, I again, I agree with what you're saying. And to be fair and to be totally objective, again, you need a full season and, and preferably back-to-back seasons with Locke in the same system. But in terms of the offseason, the pandemic and everything being crazy, what is the excuse for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in Arizona? That offense is bungling. What's the excuse for Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, who has Baker Mayfield in that running game playing a lot better? It really doesn't matter about any situation or circumstance. It matters about coaching. And when you have the coaching, everything else falls into place. I believe Stefanski and Cliff Kingsbury are much better coaches than Pat Shermer. They're much better quarterback developers than Pat Shermer. I say that on one hand, while on the, also, on the other hand, acknowledging you need to have more time with them to see what they're really about. My whole thing is, though, based on what I've seen through a handful of games, and less with Drew Locke, I just don't see any creativity. I see predictability. I see a regression with Locke under Shermer, whereas we saw progression with Locke under Scangarello. Yeah, and up to this point, I mean, look, I think in in the Tennessee game, it was a performance from Drew that reminded me very much of his Week 16 and Week 17 performances last year against Detroit and the Raiders, respectively, in terms of not trying to play hero ball 
and and pushing the envelope. But that Patriots game, obviously, I don't know if it was from spending the month, you know, hurt with the shoulder and, you know, you miss what you what you can and just storm back onto the scene. I mean, he was really aggressive in that game. And for three quarter, three of the four quarters, he was dropping dimes and he was very accurate with those vertical shots. His receivers did him no favors. But then you get into the into the Kansas City game and it just all fell apart. And I want to see, you know, nothing too flashy, like play within the scheme. Don't put more on yourself than is necessary. It's okay to want to maintain that aggressive mindset and have your eye on, on, you know, the deep shot when the opportunity arises and when the defense gives you the looks and whatnot. But you got to play within the scheme and his, his coaches can do a lot more from a from a coaching perspective to help him do that. Yeah, and it'd be like, in again, mentioning Cliff Kingsbury, it'd be like making Kyler Murray a pocket passer or making Lamar Jackson in Baltimore a pocket passer. They have to take advantage of Locke's arm, but also be smart and also think of his confidence, Chad. Him going 0 for 5 is a lot more damaging than, you know, when he goes 3 for 4 for 30 yards, 25 yards, when he throws a couple underneath passes, just to get him in a rhythm. Shermer has done nothing of that. And I don't know whether that's script or game planning or just, again, situational coaching, but I, I, they're, they're failing him in his development, not just in the sap sheet, but also his confidence and the mental factor as well. Yeah, and just going away, having, and we're going to grab Alex next, but just having this bizarre pension to go away from the things that are working. Like, all of a sudden, you're, you're running the ball, you're moving the ball, not only on the ground with two tight end sets, that's working for you, but you're you're hitting a few things in the play action underneath, and then all of a sudden you go empty on second and ten. Like, just weird, bizarre. It's like, look, you stick to your hits, man. How about ignoring Noah Fant for a half of a ball game <laughs> after he led the first half in receiving? Again, it's coaching. That's a good point, and I want to bring up Noah Fant had something really interesting to say on Tuesday. We're going to get to that, but first let's grab Alex. Appreciate the super chat from Alex Thank Salazar you. here. And uh, that's a name, Zach, we don't recognize on Super Chat. So welcome. Welcome. Yes. And thank you, my friend. means a lot. He says, what's up, guys? Y'all got a new fan here. Great podcast. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. If Locke really locks down, Zach, we can criticize, and, and there's there was plenty of material there in week seven to criticize Drew Locke, but fans really got to keep it within the scope of the NFL season's a long grind. There's a lot of row left to hoe, and in that row – there's a lot of opportunity for Drew Locke to, to grow and, and turn the ship around. They also have to keep in mind, again, it's his ninth career start. It's his only his second game coming back from injury. And is it fair to say, Chad, the Chiefs' defense is better than New England's? So that was a tougher matchup for him. I mean, yeah, he should have had a big game against New England. They got the win, though. He didn't play against well against Kansas City, but that defense is also kind of underrated as well. Bad matchup, bad game. Those stinkers are going to happen. It's any young quarterback in the NFL has them. Comparing him, like Chad always says, to Patrick Mahomes, who is the unicorn, the once in an eternity quarterback, is not fair to Drew Locke. He's on a much more normal curve than a lot of people would happen to think because every young quarterback goes through these struggles, every single one. Hey, real quick, guys. I've you know Zach's mentioned it. I'm hearing it from John, and, and I'm sure it's coming through the chat. If I have another breakup part with my internet, I don't know what's going on because I'm looking at it now and everything shows good on my side. But if I have another breakup, I'm just going to X out and come on back. Zach can hold it down till I, till I come back in, and maybe it's just my laptop needs a reset or something like that. But 
It's the offense has been inconsistent all year. It's again, I, I hate to say shoddy coaching, but injuries, new players, new personnel. I mean, new quarterbacks. It's been a literal carousel going round and round and round. And you all, the, the biggest thing you want with a young quarterback is consistency. And as you say, Chad, time on task. And the Broncos haven't been able to get that yet. And they faced again a murderer's row of opponents through their first seven games when the, when the Jets were the only beatable team. Every other team, though, has been a playoff caliber opponent. That's not an easy position for a young quarterback to be in, considering every other circumstance that I just named. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Shoes. Light, comfy, good to go to. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Okay, guys, real quick, Zach's going to carry this forward for a few minutes while I bounce out, reset, come back in. Hopefully that's all it is because I'm showing good speed test on my side and good connection. But I'll be back. Zach's got you. See you in just a few minutes. All right. Impromptu solo pod time. All right, John, let's throw up the next question here. We'll uh, we'll knock some of these out before Chad gets back. Uh, Terry jumping in. Nice to see you, Terry. Thank you so much for your donation. He goes, hashtag state of being, hashtag let him hate, of course. Hashtag smordage, hashtag M-H-H-U-N. Terry, we appreciate you as always. Thank you so much for representing. And uh, hope you like the show tonight. What else we got, John? Keep giving these to me. I'm scrolling through the comments. Kevin Peterson jumping in. Big KP, $5 donation. Thank you, Kevin, so, so much. He goes, if you call yourself a Bronco fan, same with your team, no matter what. Yeah, and I know one of the most overused cliches is root for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. But in this case, it's true. Everyone was a Drew Locke fan coming into the season. Everyone thought it was going to be, you know, a huge year, if not the year for Drew Locke. And because he had one stinker against the reigning world champs, everyone's jumping off that bandwagon. Everyone jumping off the ship. Well, guess what? People who jump off the ship end up lost at sea. And that's exactly where those people are going to remain. Lost at sea. Rudderless, looking for a lifeboat, looking for a raft. And when you come across in Broncos country, do not throw them one. They are knee-jerk, impulsive. They are not real fans. They're rooting for the player, in this case, uh, Brett Rippon or Blake Bortles or Trevor Lawrence or anyone else over Drew Locke. They should be rooting for the Broncos and Locke to do well. That's the sign, and I hate to say it because it's taboo, challenging what a real fan is, but any real fan, in my opinion, is rooting for the entire team, and that's including number three. Let's see. What else? Ronnie, nice to see you, Ronnie, from the old 24-7 uh, Facebook Live days. Thanks for hopping in here. He says, will Justin Simmons be retained? You know, guys, that's the million-dollar question for the Broncos going into the offseason. A lot of players up in the air. He hasn't played. I'm sure the Broncos want to keep him around, and it, it, it's beneficial for them financially. Him not playing well, it lowers his cost, Chad. But based on what he was asking for and based on the way he's playing this year, it seems like he's like – taking his foot off the gas pedal emotionally because he didn't get his contract. He doesn't seem to be playing with the same fire or the same want to. It seemed like that contract squabble really dejected him. And if that's the case, I don't want him around for $15 million a year. I still bring him back 
maybe for 10 or 11 below market value. But unless his play picks up, he is never going to get even close what he was asking for. He is not the best safety in the NFL, at least this season. That's a definite. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. And uh, hopefully it's smooth sailing. This year for Justin, Zach, reminds me very much so of the 2018 version of Justin, where you'd have a really good game in flash, and then two really bad games or average games, then flash and back and forth, top dollar, you know, top of the market money too. So hopefully he can turn that around here in the very, very near future. And, and you know, but if you're if you're the Denver Broncos at this stage and you got a couple of guys that are going to be demanding top of the market money, comes down to Garrett Bowles and Justin Simmons in a contract year. Right now I'm putting my money on Garrett Bowles just based on he's been basic. He's been an elite tackle so far this year. Not only a tackle, he's a left tackle. He's a potential franchise blindside protector. You take those guys any day, even Garrett Bowles. It's crazy to say, Chad, on October 28th, I'd rather take Garrett Bowles long-term over Justin Simmons, but you take a uh, franchise long-term foundational left tackle over a safety any day of the week, any day. All right, so we have had an extremely active Super Chat, and while we grab Cody here and answer Cody and address Cody's topic, I'm going to pull a few from the YouTube side and do it the old-fashioned way, paste them in, and we'll, we'll get those that the chat has jumped on the Super Chat. So, Cody Potter jumping in. Good to see you, Cody. Thank you, Cody. says, uh, I heard Fangio say earlier today that Sly and Shelby Harris, so Sylvester Williams, for those of you who missed it, he was cut last week, re-signed after, at the nose tackle. How come no McTelvin Ajim? It's not that I'm necessarily high on Ajim as a nose tackle. I just think it's time for him to earn his his draft status here. It's time for him to make some plays and kind of earn his place and keep on the Broncos' offensive line, which even with the injuries, it's still fairly deep. You have Deshaun Williams getting another look. Sylvester Williams played really well. Whenever you have Bill Kolar, this is the one position on the Broncos I am never worried about. No matter injuries, ineffectiveness, poor play, the opponent, as long as Bill Kolar is there, he will always mold every defensive lineman into a very capable player. In terms of nose tackle, I think Sly will start, but Ajim, he was a draft pick. A lot of other young guys are contributing. I'm just saying he needs to put his big boy pants on and make some plays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my, just for the next little stretch here, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to keep my... My remarks relatively brief and serve things over to you, Zach, just until things stabilize. But Rich Rich Stimson jumping in. Appreciate the super. He says, hey, guys, new to the stream, born and raised in Breck. Love this channel. You two are so positive, and it's much needed. Need to be patient with luck. Yes, thank you, Ridge, and also welcome to the podcast. And it's true. I mean, it's Chad, we're getting these first-time viewers and fans who are coming in and saying what we've been preaching for days now. It's patience. It's let him get over this loss. Let him process this loss. You saw last year when he he lost to Kansas City, he came back and won his last two games. Let him prove himself. Give him one more game to shake this monkey off his back. I promise he will do it. We got a bona fide superstar jumping in. Thank you, Kenneth. Always in every single stream, showing love and bringing up the good questions and topics. He says, move on from Shermer and let Mike Shula call plays. Zach, if it gets much worse, like if you get a few more games in the next you know, month, similar to the Chiefs game, that's a possibility because Mike Shula is a very accomplished play caller and offensive coordinator. Here's what I'm doing. As soon as or if the Broncos are eliminated mathematically from postseason contention, 
I am firing Pat Shermer, or I'm at least demoting him and giving Mike Shula the chance. Because, again, Chad, barring the playoffs, what is the most important aspect of this entire season? Arguably more important than the playoffs. That is finding out whether Drew Locke is the guy and pairing him with the best play caller. If you don't want to get rid of Shermer outright, at least give Shula a shot. He has the experience at this level. And based on what, we, what we've seen, and if it gets to that point, it can't be much worse. What do you have to lose? What do you really have to lose and and you consider you have everything to gain with a better play caller to suit your young quarterback. That's but it's a contingency the Broncos do have. I mean, it's something that they can turn to. But you only turn to Mike Shula as a play caller if you fire Sherman. I know you're calling for that right now, or at least you're mentioning it as a possibility. But to, in my opinion, way too early to be talking about firing Shermer. Give him a few games with the same quarterback under center, and then you know give him the rest of the season. Frankly, but at least the next four games with the same quarterback under center, then make a decision. KP, longtime listener, bona fide, super stud. Now that amazing bookshelf, hashtag family love, hashtag busting chops. Yeah, we haven't gotten a bookshelf comment for a while, so good to see you, KP. Thank you for tuning in, keeping your sharp eye on me as always. The Broncos wizard in the house, Mundungus Creevy. Good to see you, my friend, as always. Long time, well, I shouldn't say long time. Mundungus joined us somewhere in the uh, depths of the, what was a very touch and go pandemic summer. And mm-hmm. he just immediately in with the, with the, as a superstar. So thank you, my friend. He's, Zach, we've, we've explained our relative skepticism about PFF's arbitrary grades at times, but the grades in this case from PFF match the tape. Bowles has been great. Yes, it matches the tape, and it also matches my eyeballs. And my eyeballs and my brain tell me Garrett Bowles is looking like a legit left tackle. Whether he's the best left tackle in the NFL, I'll defer to the experts and the stats and the analytics to prove that. But certainly Garrett Bowles has uh, defied my expectations, most of Broncos country expectations. And this is why I say if Denver was smart, they'd think about entering negotiation talks with him now, contract talks now and not later. Duke Boynton. Talk about a superstar. And Duke, my uh, thoughts and our thoughts and, and our prayers have been, been with you the last couple of days. And I don't want to share any of your personal, air any of your personal laundry, but I know you've been going through something. So much love to you, my friend, yep. and uh, to your family. He says, all things considered, Locke will figure this out. But dang, having a patchwork defensive group holding Mahomes to one TD and 200 yards is impressive. And Zach, adding to that, 0 for 8 on third down. I never would have guessed a Broncos defense, regardless of who was on the field, regardless of who was coaching it, would hold Mahomes 0 for 8 on third down. And that's exactly why Bradley Chubb was mad. That's exactly why Shelby Harris was mad. It'd be like you, you picture you, whoever's listening, doing a group project for everyone, and everyone gets the credit, and it's every single week. And they don't pull their own weight. That's exactly what it is with the Broncos offense and the Broncos defense. The Broncos played the defense played more than well enough to win that game. They played amazingly for the most part. And the offense, goose egg, nothing. They just went like this. You guys do it. You guys take care of it. That's been the, the, the situation in the case for f- at least four seasons now. That's why the anger is coming out. But in terms of the defense, the way Fangio, the game plan, the way he called that game, I give him all the credit in the world. Masterful performance. Aaron Lynch, longtime listener of the show, bona fide superstar. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, if we can just finish the season with more answers than questions, well, that would be uh, that would just be all right. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, if you at least get a, a bead on Drew Locke, even if he doesn't end up, if, if that answer is he's not our guy, we can't count on him long term, 
we got to go back to the draft. If that's your answer, odds are the season plays out about the way it started, you know, through these first six games. That puts you in play for a top quarterback in, in, the, in the first round in the coming draft. I just don't think it's going to come to that. I do think you're going to see some improvement, and it might not happen overnight. And we'll talk – we'll get more into the Chargers game here um, tonight and a lot more tomorrow night, but I think you're going to see him step forward. And even if the Broncos lose to the Chargers, I think you're going to see Drew Locke ameliorate some of the concerns in, in Broncos country. There's two questions the Broncos have to answer by year's end, and that is, is Locke the guy, number one, and is his coaching staff, number two, the guy, the staff that can get the most out of Drew Locke? Is, is Pat Shermer the guy? Is Mike Shula the guy as the quarterback's coach? Is this coaching staff the staff of the future? So it's hand-in-hand hand as well. Those two, it, it's those two questions and literally everything else that has to be answered. So they have to find out quarterback and coaching staff by January. Let's grab Z-Dub in the house Good to see you. Smouse in the house. How how can I mention it without saying that? Good to see you, my friend. Talk about a bona fide superstar and just an MHH Mount Rushmore member here. We love you, buddy. He says, I wish Broncos country would realize that our offense is young. And plus, it's only Locke's 3.2 game with Shermer. Hashtag let him hate. Week one, almost a win. Shermer kind of let him down in the four-minute offense. Week two, he gets hurt, in, you know, eight, nine plays in, whatever that was. Week six, you beat the Patriots on the road. Week seven, you know, he melts down. So as Zach says, Zachary, look, that's you, you got to temper not expectations. I'm not saying, like, completely abandon any hope that, like, dating back to what Colin Cowherd said during the offseason, that Drew Locke's my pop guy for 2020. Like, I'm not even saying abandon that. That might sound – pretty far-fetched at this stage after what you saw against the Chiefs in the snow. But Drew Locke is a very talented quarterback, and he just needs his coaches to come through for him and really help give him some perspective in these games that he doesn't have to be the hero snap in and snap out. And not only is he a young quarterback, but let's keep in mind his supporting cast, the changes there. The entire right side of his O-line is new. A new right tackle, a new right guard, and a new center. A new tight end in Albert O and Nick Van Ed, uh, A new receivers in, in Jerry Judy and, and KJ Hamler. A new running back in Melvin Gordon. These things take time to come together. I mentioned Kyler Murray. I saw a comment that said he had more, he looked better last year. He had more games and experience than Drew Locke. He played 16 games. It takes time for a young quarterback who comes out of college unrefined, especially as unrefined as Drew Locke. You throw in all those personnel changes, the coaching changes, the lack of an offseason, what are you guys expecting based on one bad loss? Give him some time. It's it's not that difficult. As Sean says on Facebook, and thank you, Sean, for being with us here, he says, I like Locke, but he's too cocky to have not, uh, to have done anything. In other words, like, he hasn't done enough to be as cocky as he is, but how is he cocky? Sean, what's the alternative? Do you want him to be Trevor Simeon? Do you want him to be Paxton Lynch, the goofball, doing the, you know, the the goofy <laughs> the stuff? The dab. Yeah, that's what the word that escaped me. The dabbing. I mean, what do you want? I would rather the fake it till you make it type. I'm the quarterback. I'm the man. You know, I'm rapping Jeezy on the sideline. I'm rallying my dude. We'll talk more about his his troops rallying around him here. But what would you prefer as the alternative? That's my question for you, Sean. You want a passive beta quarterback, then by all means, you can root for that guy. But how is he cocky? I know there's confidence and cockiness, but every time he's messed up, like last week, Locke has come out and said, I have to be better. I am the guy. It starts with me. That's not a cocky person. He's confident in his abilities. He loves having fun out there, but I would call him cocky if he was, Chad. I have not seen that from him in his second season now. 
Mike Evans, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. He says, do you think Bradley Chubb has become the vocal leader for the defense? Zach, I definitely think he's become one of them. If I had to yeah. say who are the leaders of the Broncos defense, vocal leaders, I would say Chubb's up there now, and I would mention Shelby Harris. Yes. Maybe not as vocal, but but Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. The, that would be the four guys, you know, two up, up front, two on the back end. You probably need – either a Josie Jewell or an Alexander Johnson to, to kind of step into a, a leadership role. So you got all three levels, but yeah, I would definitely say he's become a vocal leader. Is he the vocal leader for the defense too soon to say, in my opinion, right? I agree a hundred percent. There was the, the vocal leader, the no doubt about a guy that was Derek Wolf for years. I mean, he ran that defense from a verbal standpoint. And uh, nowadays Bradley Chubb, now that he's playing better, he's feeling himself. He is a leader. Shelby Harris is a leader as well. The best defenders on that team the best players are the ones that are speaking out loudest what does that say appreciate you my friend and yeah i need your advice my friend i need your i need your direction he says chad i'm flying up you and i are heading to the nearest electronics (laughs) yeah i don't know dude it's really bizarre because as you guys know those you've been with us for a while you know that over the summer we i had a little wi-fi issue and got it upgraded and i thought i had everything cool but now we're having a problem here it's been it's been a minute knock on wood but Zeus, I do need to quit putting it off. You and I do need to hook up. Even if you don't fly up here, we need to get on the horn, and you need to walk me through some stuff here. Uh, Jay Ritchie jumping in. Good to see you, Jay. Hope the message is doing all right as well, my friend. He says, Zach, love you guys, but you need to stop with the coaching. Four games uh, coaches had with Drew. Kyler looked bad his first four games. Baker benched a a week ago. Stop with coaching. It's time for Drew to perform. So I think, Zach, there's a fine line in terms of taking an absolute take either way, it's not only Drew, it's not only coaching. I think really the the biggest message here is everyone needs to step up and everyone needs to recognize, you know, one thing that people need to keep in mind is one of the, one of the utilities of the traditional bye week for teams is they self scout. All right. They look at what's working for themselves. They look at, Hey, if we were attacking ourselves as an opponent, how would we attack us? That helps them kind of find the weaknesses and whatnot. The Broncos lost that this time around. And I don't know, I, I don't point that as an excuse, but it adds to the challenge that the coaches have to kind of figure out how to dial this in and make the most of Drew Locke and the talent around him. First of all, I've said unequivocally now about five times, he was bad in that game, Locke. It was his responsibility, but it doesn't have to be one or the other. He was bad. The play calling was bad. You mentioned, though, Baker. You mentioned Cliff Kingsbury to piggyback off my points. What are the records? What's Cleveland's record right now? What's Arizona's record right now? Coaching is always a difference. It always comes down to that. And when you have proper coaching, you can hide some of these deficiencies. I just- Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. 
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Just don't understand how Locke is getting all of the blame for footwork and technique and mechanics and the way he's on the field. Why doesn't that blame extend to his coaching staff? Why doesn't that blame extend to the guy who's the guru and the quarterback's coach? Why are they exonerated and Locke gets 100% of the blame? It's 50-50. It's not 100-0. All right, let me see here. I want to catch up, and I agree. You know, it's, you, there's no absolutes in life. I mean, there's football. It's even more so. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's always a uh, – what was that line you used the other day, Zach, about the truth's in the middle? There's two sides of the story, and the truth yeah. is somewhere in the middle. There's two sides to the issue, and usually the truth somewhere in the middle. Chris McKay says, what's up, guys? Let's keep the options open at quarterback no matter what happens. There's no reason to keep the next Stafford over the next Mahomes. Your thoughts? Uh, who is the next Stafford? Who's the next Mahomes? I assume you mean Drew Locke compared to another quarterback. But you can win with Matt Stafford. You put Matt Stafford on this team with a healthy Broncos supporting cast and decent coaching, they will win 10 games with this defense. We always said, you and I, chat, Drew Locke, we would love him to be a Hall of Famer, a Pro Bowl, or an All-Pro. He doesn't have to be. We've said this for years with every quarterback that's come across the Broncos, from Joe Flacco to Drew Locke. They don't have to be All-Stars. They just have to be good enough. They have to be above average, and this team can go places. Dale jumping in, D-Dub, Horse of War. You see that uh, YouTube profile pic that also exemplifies his Twitter handle. Good to see you, my friend, in paradise, in fact, in Hawaii, across the Pacific. Thank you for your support. Talk about a superstar, super stud, and an MHH Mount Rushmore member. Appreciate you, Dale. He says, I don't blame Locke at this point. There's not That's not saying he doesn't have work to do. I wondered last week if Shermer was smart enough to create mismatches with Albert O and Fant, all of our talent. He answered that question. No excuse. Zach, before we move on here, first of all, I guess actually I'll get it on the other side of your reply here to what he's saying of of Shermer being smart enough to create mismatches with the tight ends. There were 17 targets to tight ends last week, but it never really felt, Zach, like it was being utilized as a means with which to exploit what the defense was doing. How I interpreted exactly how I saw it was he was overcompensating for the flack that he got the first couple of weeks when he went away from Noah Fett, went away from the tight end. So he heard that and said, okay, I'll pepper these tight ends with targets now. This is what the, the thing is with Pat Shermer. Do you think after so many years as a coordinator and twice a head coach in this business, he'd be better situationally? I don't think he's the man to develop Drew Locke. I don't think he's the best play caller for Locke's skill set. 
having two tight ends on the field, we talked about this a few days ago. We shouldn't laud him for that. We shouldn't praise Pat Shermer, who's been around forever, for having two explosive pass-catching tight ends on the field together. That's peewee. That's basic, fundamental football. So I'm not giving him credit for that. I want to scheme KJ Hamler open. I want to scheme Jerry Judy open. I want to scheme and get the ball in Philip Lindsay's hands more. Once he does that, then I'll give him credit. But having two tight ends when those are high investments and high round draft picks, I'm not giving him praise for that. Dank Buds and Black Metal jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Phenomenal YouTube handle, by the way. Hey, fellas. Seems like in these interviews with Locke and others, they finally may have some fire in their eyes and ready to come out and go for the throat. Zach, I do think that there is an element, you know, listening to the tonality of the players so far this week of, you know, they, they hear the criticism. Drew Locke definitely heard it. He was a little bit testy today. And I can talk more about that here in a, in a few minutes, but I do think that they were embarrassed by that performance and they know they're better and can be better. It's going to be really curious to see how they respond against the chargers. They also know that they're facing a team with a young quarterback who a lot of fans and media are comparing to their own. And and they want to prove they have the better quarterback. The Broncos front office wants to prove they have the better team and the better roster. I do like, we talked about this at the top of the show tonight, I like how they're testy. I like how they're fired up. They haven't checked out. They're not feeling sorry for themselves. They're not having their tail between their legs. They want to prove they are better than the record indicates. They want to prove they're better than the final score indicated last week. And I believe they are. Chad believes they are. And I think they will show that this Sunday. Ahmed jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. And loved the tag on Twitter. <clears throat> hey, let us know when you get your, your swag. Send us a selfie. We'll put that up on MHH Instagram and and vault you and shout you out. So appreciate your support, my dog. He says, I think we have to be reasonable about our expectations. Drew needs more time, and he will turn around. Again, this is what we want to hear. It's not that you don't criticize Drew. It's not that he didn't open himself up to criticism. It's that you got to have perspective. you got to view it within the proper scope. Was there cause for concern? Yes. Was there cause for alarm? Yeah, it sh- as we talked about twice earlier this week, too much was he showing a regression back to some of the old ways at Mizzou, you know, some of the bad habits that he had as a, as a college quarterback. That's alarming and it's concerning, but you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Listen to what the, pl- the players are saying today. Listen, And there's something, an, a couple of comments still I'm going to grab, but they have the right perspective because they know that the NFL, you know, it's, it's, it, careers are not defined by one game. Let me just put it that way. And I'll even take the hedging of bets one step further. I'm not even going to say he's going to turn it around, but at least give him more time. At least let him sink or swim on his own volition. And that means having as big as an audition and sample size as possible. Getting till the end of the year. Judge him based on that. Come January, don't judge him based off one game in the snow against the reigning champions. Sorry about that, John. I bumped Tom off. There he is. Appreciate you again, Tom, up there in Canada. Proven Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being, baby. He says Locke has to slow the game down. He seems anxious, nervous, not settled. Be himself. I would agree. I would would say, honestly, Zach, let me ask you this. Did Locke seem not himself, anxious, settled, unsettled, pressing the first three quarters of the Patriots game? No, he, he looked poised and in control, having fun out there, loose. Uh, the entire team took that complexity on, though, so it's tough to judge. In week seven, I would agree with you that something, and we talked about this, I don't want to make too many excuses and go way back down the rabbit hole, but 
that was an outlier game. So many, and he even talked about this today. And I don't think it was said within the scope of a young quarterback making excuses, but you know, it was just a bad game. Move on, learn from it, take what lessons that are there to be learned and move on because 10 more games left to go. And the Broncos are still in this thing. Like the chargers are two and four Zach football outsiders gives the chargers six times better odds at making the playoffs at two and four than the Broncos. Let him hate. And, and guys, again, about Locke's interceptions and his slow start, how about Peyton Manning with the Colts? He threw a billion picks his first couple years, and he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. So I'm not saying he's going to be Peyton, but just at least give him some time, guys. At least give him a few more starts. That's all we're saying here. Yeah, and even uh, – and by the way, Carlos jumping in. Appreciate the super, my friend. Thanks. He says, Carnales, Los, los Chargers son basura. Hashtag <laughs> locked in. Uh, no, but that means you back, Carlos. Appreciate you, dog. Um, but, you know, like, whoops, sorry, John. Hold on one second on that one. My bad. Hold on just one sec. Uh, you know, James Campbell. Everyone knows James, right? Came up through the ranks. Everyone knows James Campbell. He had a great article yesterday saying basically that time, the, the, the time is the enemy for the Broncos when it comes to Drew Locke because in the NFL, you know, if a quarterback doesn't come out of the box ready to go, NFL teams, and he lists all the different reasons, go read the article. It's a good article. And he makes a lot of good points, that none of which I disagree with per se. <clears throat> what I disagree with is that it's time to have that conversation. You have that conversation at the end of this year. All right. Right now, that's that's a those are all decisions and, and about and it's and you know, this is our job in media and as fans too to have these conversations. So <clears throat> it's not that I'm um saying that J- James's article was was not appropriate. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just that I'm not even going there yet because I think the Broncos view it the same way. At the bare minimum, they're getting through 2020 and seeing how Locke can can play throughout what remains in this season before they draw or jump to any conclusion whatsoever about what happens in 2021 and beyond. Things take time. I, I hate to say such an overused sports cliche, but trust the process, guys. This is the process for a young quarterback. This is how it plays out. Just at least, we keep pleading with you, at least give him to the end of the year. If you want to hate him by then, by all means, but at least give him some time to show what he can do. No fan. I want to bring this up real quick and then we'll get right back into the supers. And I know we're getting close to our, our time here, but he talked about today, or excuse me, it was on Tuesday. Um, in fact, let me find it. I jumped by it. I jumped past it. Give me one second here. All right. On whether or not he believes the Broncos offense can get back on track or can get on track this season. And this was a really, I think, good answer. Quote, I don't have a bad attitude about it, but I'm not happy with the results that we have right now. It's unacceptable with where we're at. We want to be better than what we're doing. The statistics and the conversions, you look at all the numbers, we're not living up to our potential. We have so much ability and so much talent on the offensive side of the ball, and we have to figure out how to make things work. Again, not a bad attitude from my part. I'm still positive about it, but at some point, it's like put up or shut up. It's time to buckle down and get these things going. As for me and anybody on this team, we have to be on our P's and Q's and get this thing turned around. And I love that, Zach, because what he's saying is, look, we have too much talent to be ranked bottom five in every major offensive statistical category, even with all the quarterback problems they had in the first quarter of the season with Drew Locke's injury. Drew Locke's back. Throw the excuses out. Pat Shermer, even without Cortland Sutton. Even with a, an injured Philip Lindsay, we don't know if he's going to make it out of concussion protocol in time for week eight. All those things considered, Zach, there is so much talent here. 
Go make some hay while the sun is shining. Because, guys, there's still 10 games that are saying the sun is shining. And I like what Fan is saying here. He's acknowledging, like, listen, guys, it was a bad loss. It was a brutal loss. It was unacceptable, but let's keep things in perspective. We're not going to take Lockout back and give him the old Yeller treatment. We're not going to – let's keep things relatively calm in Broncos country. We know we have to be better. We're capable of playing a lot better than what we proved on tape last uh, that last week against the Chiefs. Let us have time to show that. But he's not making any excuses. He's not covering for anyone. He's challenging his teammates, including himself, to be better. That's a sign of a leader. And guys, Noah Fant is the real deal. Anyone, a little aside here, anyone questioning his draft pick shouldn't be anymore. This guy is legit. You hear that, John? All right. Listen, <laughs> uh, I'm with you, though, because I was one of those that was a little bit skeptical. And so was I. So was no. I. I came talking around. to him at the combine and seeing TJ Hawkinson stand up at the at the podium and weep when talking about how much he loves football and how much he loves Coach Ference at Iowa and all that. I was like, man, this is a guy I'd I'd run through a wall for TJ Hawkinson just based on I was all about him, but he wasn't even an option for Denver. And Noah Fant has long ago uh, won me over. Dennis Woods jumping in, bona fide superstar in Michigan. Love Thank you, buddy. You. Appreciate you. Locke's stats are on par with most rookie quarterbacks, including Elway's first 11 games. Patience, patience, patience. Hashtag state of being hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Amen. I don't have it in front of me, but again, I reference Matthew Stafford's first eight games in the NFL, make you want to poke your eyes out. But that's the trajectory that some young quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks like Stafford, like Elway, like Drew Locke, those gunslingers, it's the type of process they have to go through. They get worse before they get better. It's just how it goes. Duke, we're really, as as I mentioned, uh, we're really sorry to hear about, about yeah, your daughter's miscarriage and we wish nothing but the best for you and your daughter and your family, and you're in our prayers. So yeah. thanks for, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say thanks for, for letting everyone know, but now everyone knows why I mentioned that. So so uh, appreciate you, Duke. All right, let's grab uh, Not Allowed Here jumping in. You are allowed here, by the way. <laughs> Very much so. He says, hello, guys. What do you think we need to do to fix the offense <clears throat> so it's more efficient? Well, that's the one thing Vic Fangio said, Hey, or he was asked today, Hey, in a perfect world, what's your idea of an identity for this offense? And he said, efficiency. I just want us to be more efficient. What does that mean? You got to convert on third down. You got to convert in the red zone. That's really what it boils down to. The Broncos have done okay when it comes to moving the ball between the twenties. If they can cut out the turnovers, way too many turnovers the last two games. Well, I should say the last five, uh, five quarters of play too many turnovers, cut that out. Be more efficient on third down and in the red zone. A lot of it takes care of itself. Now, getting you know down to the scheme in terms of X's and O's, I really think the Denver Broncos need to – it's not that you completely dispense, Zach, with the three wide and the four wide, but you have to be a lot more tactful with how you utilize those personnel groupings. I would quit spreading it out quite so much. Yes. I would start – if you're going to run three wide, you know, bunch them up and force the defense to have to think a little bit. Yeah, again, I, I made a joke talking to, to Kim Becker the other day about uh, Pat Shermer. You know, look, does the guy even know what a slant is? And I, it's a joke, right? But, you know, they threw, one, they, they threw one. Here you go, slants and screens. You threw one slant against the Chiefs, and, and it was a pick because K.J. Hamler didn't haul it in. Yeah, it wasn't a perfect throw, but that's a throw NFL receivers need to catch. Got picked off by the Honey Badger. There are a lot of little things. I think use use more two tight end sets, and that does mean Noah Fant and Alberto on the field at the same time. Condense the field, you know, 
don't go away from what's working for you when it's working for you. That's the one thing that just mystifies me about Pat Shermer. You dominate in a, per, a specific personnel grouping or, you know, on the ground with this um, collection of guys or this whatever. And then he goes away from it in a key situation and then it gives them third and long. You got to go with what works. You got to, And I don't even mean dumb it down and simplify it because Drew Locke is not a simple quarterback. I do think even though he, he's struggled reading the field the last few games, I mean, look at the Texans game, Zach, real quick. I'm going on a tangent here, but look at the Texans game in, in week 14 last year. Drew Locke completed, I, I want to say he completed the, the ball to nine or ten different receivers. He had no problem reading the field in that game. And you could say, oh, well, the Chiefs game, that was his worst. That's an outlier. And that game against the Texans, that was his best. That was an outlier. And you could be right, but it does show us, Zach, that he can read the field. But as coaches, they can help simplify things schematically and that's what they really need to focus on doing right now. You mentioned it when you were saying, and later you mentioned it, but when you were saying be more efficient, be better on third down, be better in the red zone, I was thinking, how do you do that? And my answer was your answer, which is play to the strength of your offense, play to the strength of your quarterback. That means getting your quarterback in rhythm, getting him confidence, moving the ball, keep the offense on the field, keep the clock churning, slants underneath to Philip Lindsay, to uh, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Take the occasional deep shot. Don't keep yourself in the phone booth, but play smart. When you need three yards, throw for five. When, when you need two, throw for four. Don't throw for 40 when you need three. It's, again, situational coaching. Chad nailed his answer perfectly. A lot of it is on lock to recognize where to go with those reads. It's not Pat Shermer on the field throwing those passes, but it's Pat Shermer on the sideline making those calls. They have to play to the strength of their entire offense, and there's no excuse, Chad. Yes, you're missing Corlton Sutton, but when you have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, when you have Jerry Judy, a first-round pick, KJ Hamler, a second-round pick, Noah Fan, a first-round pick, that is enough weapons to make do with. And when you're cutting off half the field and playing in a phone booth, you're doing the entire offense a disservice. So number one, where the offense starts, is Pat Shermer and his play calling and his management of this offense, bar none. Dale jumping in with a very generous super. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, I can definitely upgrade that Wi-Fi now. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Seriously, though, that means the world to us, Dale. You know that, my dog. He says, Fangio needs to stay on board. He's shown himself defense is balling. When you keep changing the coaching, you tend to have open questions kicking you in the teeth. It is, is it the new coordinator or the quarterback? Was it play calling or new scheme? There needs to be consistency. And that's something that, you know, if you talk to any – uh, of the known insiders, all right, at, at Dove Valley, if the, the Troy Ranks and the Mike Clisses. In fact, I think Troy ranked this week on the radio and on record. He was asked, hey, does Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio return in 2021? And he unequivocally answered right off the cuff, yes, because Dale's point is correct. And that is that the Broncos, not just for Drew Locke's sake, but for the team, they need that coaching consistency. They need that philosophical consistency and continuity only in a worst case scenario, like you need a almost an entire season's worth of those week seven caliber games to fire Pat Shermer and go to Mike Shula. I know Kenneth, you know, that's you, you brought it up as a possibility, but right now the focus has to be continuity. And if you're, and if you're Pat Shermer getting the most out of Drew, changing things up to fit Drew, because it's, it's felt like Zach that they've tried to make Drew fit the scheme instead right. of the other way around. And they need to, they need to reprioritize that dynamic. Yeah, and to Dale's, I agree with his premise, but again, it's not an either-or. It, it, it's multiple factors. It's not the quarterback or the scheme. It's not the play calling or you know the pass on the field. It's all the factors combined, and it just adds up to being one 
inconsistent, sometimes very hard to watch offense. All right, guys, we are long here. So let's, uh, Zach and I will rapid fire through these remaining supers, and then we'll dip on out of here for tonight. And if we didn't get to you, your topic or your question tonight, come back tomorrow because it is the Mile High Mailbag, and we'll let our hair down and try and get to as many as possible. The Queen jumping in, showing some love, and bringing some wise counsel here. All right. Patience for luck. Don't give up. The Broncos need consistency coaching. And yes, cocky. They need the cocky. Zach, I love the phrase. And by the way, Christy, we love you. Thank you so much. You know, it means everything to us. But Zach, I love that phrase you brought up because it's so appropriate for so many different elements of life. Sometimes you really do have to fake it till you make it. And the cocky thing, if you don't have that as a quarterback, some element of your personality, and that's something I doubted in Justin Herbert, just listening to him talk. And, he, you know, as a as a college quarterback, he's proven it out on the grass, though, that that wasn't a concern. But with Drew Locke, I don't want him to to diverge from the cocky, from the swag, from the rapping Jeezy on the sideline to lose, right. the dancing before the game and on the field and all that. The Broncos need that energy uh, on the field. Big cocky Locky. That's that's how I want him, Chad. That's that's the quarterback I want. We all fell in love with that aspect of Drew Locke's personality. And kudos to the Broncos for not trying to rein him in and make him something boring like an Alex Smith, just a vanilla personality. That's who he is, and he's going to live and die by that proverbial sword, which is his personality. He does. He will, and that's absolutely true. And he talked about today that he's going to continue with being aggressive, he and Pat Shermer, and that's fine on one hand. But at the same time, he talked about, hey, Kansas City was shutting down that vertical stuff in week seven, and I kept pushing it. They were forcing us to the checkdowns in the underneath, and I didn't take it. I didn't take what the defense was giving me. And, Zach, that tells me he recognizes where he went wrong and that he, he can learn from that and improve. Uh, Chris, jumping back in again. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. He said, should we resign Chubb no matter what, like the most valuable defensive player at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's only in year three, and he's got he's going to have a fifth-year option associated with his deal, so – I mean, it's it's way too early. If he was a free agent after this year, though, let's just say hypothetically, Zach, yeah, you get him signed up because he just brings so much to the table as the pass rusher, as the energy guy, as the, as a young leader. And then also he's been really good against the run. And he's also Von Miller's successor. So I, I would think at this point you do everything to keep him. Not now, like Chad said, they have him under control for a couple seasons. He's not going anywhere, though. And if I had to give you a bold prediction, I would wager the Broncos would rather keep Bradley Chubb over Von Miller. More upside, more youth, more explosion. Uh, He's not going anywhere, though. He's here to stay for the long term. W.E. jumping in. Appreciate you. Bonafide superstar. Since the Texans game, Locke has a passer rating of 70.6. Once teams got tape of Locke, he hasn't adjusted. I just don't think there's been enough sample size to even say there's been enough for NFL teams to to really go off. I mean, there's some there, and they're pros, and they know what to look for in terms of tendencies and stuff. So I don't want to oversimplify that. But just give him more time on task with Pat Shermer. Allow this guy the, the allow this young quarterback the room to grow instead of expecting him to be. I think the biggest complicating factor here, Zach, is as Drew Locke has kind of hit the skids a little bit, Fans look across the division and see Justin Herbert lighting it up and having, you know, just getting praise roundly from across the NFL and justifiably so. But if you didn't have Justin Herbert on fire in the AFC West as a rookie quarterback, I don't think fans would be quite as panicked and and knee jerky as they have been. But so maybe you remove that from the equation for a minute. All right. Just keep it focused on lock. Give this kid the time to to grow and, and breathe. 
I also think it's the fact that every other team in the West has a young quarterback. Even the Raiders have Derek Carr playing well this year under John Gruden. But uh, again, we haven't seen enough of him yet. And and to say that he's a bust or to look at the box score and his passer rating, are we doing that after the Patriots game? If, if we want to play the if factor and the if game, he should have had a, a passer rating of 120 against the Patriots. They dropped three or four touchdown passes. So if we want to look at the box score, it's not going to be pretty, but you don't judge a player, especially a young quarterback, with nine career starts on the box scores. Just don't do it. Okay, three more, and then we got to dip out. Antonio, good to see you, my friend, jumping in here. Anytime Antonio is in the stream, he's showing love on Super Chat, and it means a lot to us, my friend. So thank you. Thank you. He says, I'm confident this year is a great opportunity for Drew Locke to get his feet wet, and for our and our offense should be firing on all cylinders next year. Hashtag Broncos country. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's good to have a long view, and I think it's better to, to take a long-term uh, perspective on this than to panic right now. But even that is just going too far. Just give him 2020 to be himself and do his thing and and don't really take it, don't make more or less of it than that. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to say next year. The offense should be fun to watch this year. He's going to have good games ahead as long as he stays healthy. Just be patient. I promise you better games and victories, most importantly, are ahead for Denver and Drew Locke this year, not next year. Wow, Dale. You're blowing us away, my friend. Thank you so much. It Dale, just means it means the world to us, man. And I don't know what else I can say, but it just goes a long way as well, and it means a lot. So thank you. He says, I'm really glad the team seems to be rallying. It is a great uh, sign, but bad coaching and game planning will be recognized by the players, and if it continues, they will tune out. Let's hope this criticism is well-received and Shermer responds with fire. Well said across all uh, points there, Dale. Zach, I'm going to be really curious to see what kind of tone Pat Shermer has when he meets with the media tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, and talks about the media and his response also on Sunday against the Chargers. I'm a lot less worried about how Locke is going to bounce back and a lot more worried about how Pat Shermer is going to call this game. How he handles getting blown off his own field and looking so incompetent compared to the Chiefs offense, how he handles this game is also a huge litmus test for his own ability. It's not just Locke as well. All right, we got one from Cody and Huang Ji jumping in. We'll grab Huang Ji first, a name we don't recognize on Super. So welcome and thank you, my friend. Make sure you reach out and connect with us on Twitter. He says, Locke is our QB. He will make young QB mistakes. I'm still on the Locke train. Well said, my friend. Well said. And Cody as well here, and then we'll dip out. From what you've seen so far, what do you expect if this team was healthy and going forward? Also, early predictions for the Broncos uh, Chargers. Uh, early predictions, Broncos 20, Chargers 10, hashtag mile high salute. Got to wait on that. You as well, my friend. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll drop some predictions on tomorrow night's pod. We'll, we'll have a, a fully formed opinion on week eight for Broncos Chargers. But, you know, if, if the Broncos were fully healthy and no team is ever fully healthy, right? There's always that one or two injuries, even the, the 2013 Broncos, I should, you know, think back to all those injuries. How many people did they replace on that Super Bowl 13? Uh, defense, how many starters were missing, I guess I should say. I want to say seven off the top of my head. But the good teams find a way to rise above it. And in this case, you need coaching and quarterback consistency, not just in terms of continuity, but in terms of execution, performance, job performance. And so right now where you've got a young quarterback, all those injuries only exacerbated things. So I think that's just a point that's a little bit moot here, Zach, in terms of where would they be if everyone was healthy. I do think they'd be in a better position, but I'm not sure it would have changed what happened last week in in uh, against Kansas City, to be honest with you. 
nor the Titans game, because you can have as many healthy players and as, as much normal as possible this year. Nothing is stopping Pat Shermer from making that fourth and one tight end shovel on the goal line. Nothing is stopping him from going away from no offense. So I happen to agree with Chad. They might be better stat-wise, maybe one more victory, but overall they'd still be going through a lot of the same struggles because the common denominator is not the offseason or necessarily the players. It's the coaching staff. Last one here, and it's a doozy. Wow. Stir King 31. I think maybe I've I've seen Stir King once or twice on Super Chat. Wow, that's that's a way to come off the top rope with a, an introduction. Thank you, yes. Stir King. Really means a lot to us, my friend. Seriously. And you know, better late than never at the eleventh hour, right when we're about to dip out, but just means a lot. So thank you. He says, Why is nobody talking about Rippin? Do we really think Rippin would have been uh, in the red zone seven times in two games and walked away without a TD. Um, so yeah. what are you saying that if those balls in, in those four drop touchdowns in, in week six, you're saying if, if I'm reading you right, that if those were to come off the right arm of Brett Rippon, they would have been caught as opposed to the right arm of Drew Locke. I mean, here's the thing, Zach, Brett Rippon has clearly showed a much better poison command pre-snap uh, in terms of, Sturking saying ripping through harder than lock at the combine. LOL. Um, he, he has shown a much better command and poise pre-snap making reads, understanding what the defense is doing and, the, and thus where to go with the ball pre-snap protections and all that. Um, you know, he's a good backup coaches love him. And there's a reason for that. He's a guy that, you know, takes his job seriously. And between the years, that's what you need as a backup, but from a talent and a wherewithal perspective and, and it factor, he just doesn't have it. There's a reason why he went undrafted. So I like Brett Rippon. I think he's got a lot of upside as a long-term backup for for Drew Locke, but I, that's about as far as I can go. Yeah, you know what they say, the backup quarterback is always the most popular player on the team, and no exception here. Um, I will say what I said on Sunday's pod and Monday's pod, Brett Rippon wouldn't have won that game. Blake Bortles wouldn't have won that game. Jeff Driscoll wouldn't have won that game. That was a letdown and a failure on multiple levels, not just the quarterback, the coaching as well in that game. And the special teams were letting him off the hook as well, McMahon. They, he was just as bad, his unit, as the offense. The only good unit was the defense in that game. Other than that, it was a categorical failure on at least two sides of the ball. Cody Potter, and then we're out. He wants to know what's for dinner tonight. I need some ideas. You know, maybe, uh, maybe a hot pocket, maybe some ramen. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> My mind's on football, but we got to dip out, Cody. Thanks for the support, my friend. Uh, you know, it means a lot to us. And for everybody, I mean, Super Chat was on fire tonight. You blow us away, gang. We love you, the MHH community and Broncos country. It means everything to us. And, guys, you're the reason that we show up here night after night to do these live streams and commit the time and, and focus and energy on this content. And, you know, Zach and I love talking to each other. You know, we go a long way back, and we're tight bros. But yep. you guys are what keep us coming back. So, Thanks to each and every one of you. But we gotta, we really do have to dip out. We're hour 20. We got to go. Follow the pod on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, especially if you're one of our Super Chat superstars. Connect with us, whether it's at HuddleUp or Zach or myself, so that we can shout you out. Also at Mile High Huddle. Follow my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL on Twitter, myself at Chad and Jensen, and our producer, John Cronenberg. You can find him, whoops, at John K M H H. And then, guys, we'll be back tomorrow night for the Mile High Mailbag. So if we didn't get your question or comment or topic, we will do our best to get to it tomorrow. And then we'll talk a lot more about the Chargers. Let's get off the whole lock thing and start focusing on the next opponent. I think we've exercised those demons and gone down that path. 
as far as we can. It's time for what's next, and we'll get to that tomorrow. So, Zach, have a good night, my brother. Yeah, you as well in Broncos country. Get off the ledges as well. It's going to be okay. I promise you, don't panic. All right, guys, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.